episode three. Last week, we talked all about the beginning of my relationship with John. He went from person on the periphery to chronically ill car seat contributor to terminally ill mega donor in no time at all. And although he had once told me that he loved my stream because it made him feel less lonely, John had a friend with him through it all. Brooke was introduced to me as John's friend from his youth. I don't think that they ever dated, but it seemed like they were extremely close. When John was told that his brain and spinal lesions would be fatal in August of 2021, Brooke was right at his side. When I first started chatting to her under John's Discord name, I thought that she was an incredible human to take so much time out of her life to care for John. But as time went on, I started to get the feeling that something was off about Brooke. I'm Katie Rivalcaba, and this is Parasocial Anxiety. In late August of 2021, John was in the high dependency unit in his UK hospital, and he'd been told that there was nothing that could be done for him except for palliative care. Brooke had had taken time off of her job as a warehouse worker to look out for him. Brooke seemed extremely invested in John's care. She would tell me all the time that she was taking his clothes home from the hospital to wash them for him, and I thought it was just so kind of her, especially since his dad was supposed to be there. John was apparently doing very poorly on his NG feeding tube. This is a tube that goes through the nose and into the stomach for people who can no longer feed themselves. According to Brooke, John had started having continuous diarrhea and was using adult diapers, which she would change for him. I thought that this was just above and beyond for a friend, especially since he was in the hospital. I told her that in the U.S., normally the nurses do that sort of thing. But she insisted that no one but her was looking out for John. Brooke told me that John would have these terrible headaches any time that he was awake, so she was the primary communicator using his Discord name. She would tell me that she would be arranging a time for me to voice chat with John in the Discord eventually, but he wasn't able to use a screen because the light caused him so much pain. And that made sense to me. According to Brooke, when John had donated those huge sums of money, she had actually been the one to do the computer work for it. She'd been sitting with John in the hospital, and they wanted to do something to lift his spirits. Brooke was following up with me every few hours to ask about setting up a voice call with John, and she seemed to get very nervous if I didn't respond right away. 2.20 2.20 p.m. If you need to message, I got John tablet anytime. 2.20 p.m. I let you know how he is doing later on. 2.38 p.m. I going to get a coffee from Costa Coffee. 3.04 p.m. I am sitting next to John in my comfortable chair. Hope you okay. 3.19 p.m. Hi, KTI. When you're free, please message me. Thank you. I know the AI can make that a little hard to understand, but basically, those were rapid-fire messages over the course of 10 minutes. I was at my kid's school waiting to pick them up, so I wasn't able to respond. As I read over the text from this period, it seems more forceful than it did at the time. Brooke was often asking me when I'd be free to voice chat with John. At this point, I was streaming during the day while the kids were at school and taking care of a toddler all the time, so my free time to have a quiet conversation was pretty limited. She told me that after John had made those large donations, people were reaching out to him to ask for money from him. I don't know who in my community would do something like that, but Twitch is a strange place, and I've heard that large donors sometimes get hit up for money. I told Brooke that we should refer those people to the Good Egg Fund, our community nonprofit, and maybe we could do something to help them if they were in need. 
Brooke took on sort of a protector role for John. She would delete those messages that were begging for money if she saw them. She told me not to mention them to him whenever I was able to voice chat with him. I didn't really notice back then, but most of Brooke's messages at that point bound back and forth between telling me how unwell John was and asking me to call him. On August 20th, I called John for 17 minutes. He sounded really quiet and sad. He said he was all alone and that Brooke had gone home to wash his shorts. I really don't remember much of that conversation except that I had a really hard time understanding his thick Essex accent. That's really hard to say. If you've ever seen EastEnders, it's like that, except it's kind of tired and dragging. He was speaking very graphically about his upset stomach. I'm a mom, so poop conversations don't really freak me out. About three times a day, I would say that I ask some variation of the sentence, did you poop? Are you pooping right now? So I thought it was odd for a person I didn't know well to tell me about their bowel movements. And I've told you guys about my husband's vasectomy reversal in the first episode of this podcast. So like, who am I to judge, right? Anyway, Brooke told me later that John had a seizure shortly after we got off the phone. She started to ask me questions about how I would feel if he had had one while we were chatting. I kind of sort of brushed that off. I don't want to get too far into the weeds about Brooke's chat with me in those early days. Suffice it to say that John was unwell and she was taking care of him. He was telling her about the funeral arrangements that he wanted and asking me what I was going to do with the money that he donated. I tried to send him photos anytime that I bought something that I thought he might think was a good use of his donation. So like if I bought something for Mary or when I got haircuts for the kids or school shoes, that kind of thing. This was all in August, by the way, literal hundreds of messages back and forth describing the very sad situation about John and then describing the things that Brooke was doing to take care of him. In the end of August, Brooke went back to work at the warehouse. She told me that she'd been promoted and we'd be making more money. At that point, Brooke started sending me a $10 donation almost every day for like two weeks, telling me to go get myself a coffee. Brooke would tell me a lot of things about John's treatment that really didn't make sense to me. My mom is a hospice nurse, so I kind of would bounce things off of her every now and then, but for the most part, it really wasn't my business. But I did occasionally raise concerns to her about the treatment. Like, why wasn't he being moved out of the high dependency unit? In the UK, a high dependency unit is sort of a equivalent to an ICU here in the United States. But if there's nothing that could be done to, for him, shouldn't he be moved to hospice? Also, was she really involved in any of his decision-making? His dad was there, but he was so often unconscious. Anyway, within a day she, of that conversation, she had gotten a medical POA, or whatever the English equivalent of that is, and she was making decisions for John. So she had him move to a hospice facility. Brooks started donating money under her own name at this point. Do you remember how I told you before that donations show up in my PayPal with the name of the person who donated them? Well, Brooke didn't have her own PayPal account, so her donations just showed up under this randomly generated email address that PayPal makes up. Basically, it just means that she had input a credit card number without using an actual PayPal account. There was no name on the donations coming from PayPal, but when it would come up on my stream, it would have whatever name she put into the stream software, which just said Brooke. In September, Luis used some of that money to buy me a Peloton for our anniversary. A used one, don't freak out. But I told Brooke about it, and I thought that she could tell John and he'd be excited because he knew how much I enjoyed spin classes at the gym. And since his money had facilitated the purchase, I felt like, you know, maybe he would want to know. The messages from Brooke in this period are deleted, but sometime shortly after, Brooke got a Peloton too. 
and she friended me on Peloton. If you're not familiar with the Peloton platform, it allows you to do rides together with people. Basically, if you add someone as a friend, you and your friends can do the same rides together and give each other virtual high fives as you ride. I saw Brooke logging into several of the rides that I had done, and then she would message me later to tell me about them. So Brooke and I were bonding over this attempt to use exercise to combat depression. It was kind of nice. It was only about two weeks in that Brooke had to quit using the Peloton. She was having massive stomach cramps. At first, she chalked them up to constipation. She'd been eating like garbage and spending way too much time in the hospice facility all the time. So it really didn't surprise me. What did surprise me was how much Brooke and John talked about poop. For adult non-parents, it seemed really strange. But again, I'm not easily freaked out, so I offered suggestions on constipation. I've been pregnant five times after all. I'm basically an expert. And by the way, the answer is always prunes. Anyway... Brooke was telling me that she was buying a house during that time, and I had a donation goal up on my stream for $1,000 for a vet bill for our dog. She donated that while I was offline. I told her I didn't think that was a great idea. My message to her reads, Brooke, do you need me to refund that $1,000? You're buying a house. That's a lot to send. But this was what she said in response. No, no, no. I have the money in my second account. I am just going to pay them the full balance. 30,000 pounds. Okay, now I've stressed to you how guilty I felt taking money from a dying person, and I felt just as bad taking it from Brooke given that she worked in a warehouse. That message really threw me for a loop. She just has 30,000 pounds lying around? Maybe I was just always poor, so it never occurred to me that some people just have massive amounts of disposable income. I dug deep just to say thank you. This is where it started to go downhill for Brooke. First, in late September, she said she was having an operation. For what, you might wonder? Hemorrhoids. Now, my faith in the UK medical system was seriously starting to waver at this point. Surgery? For a person whose hemorrhoids allowed them to ride a Peloton bike a few weeks earlier? That seemed extreme. After that, almost every discussion I had with Brooke for the month of October was either about a computer that John had sent me, more on that later, or about how sick she was feeling. After her surgery, she seemed to have constant stomach pain. She also seemed really irritable. She would tell me how she was going to log on to John's PayPal account and link her own accounts so that she could donate money more easily to me and that it would appear to come from John. That was a red flag. I wasn't sure if she was stealing from him or if they were just extremely close, but something about it didn't seem right to me. But she would sort of snap at me about just taking money when I protested. But at the same time, She was in a lot of pain. She told me that she hadn't pooped in two weeks, and I told her that she needed to go to the hospital. Apparently, her mom called 999 that night, which is the UK version of 911, and she had to be taken to the hospital. But the messages that she sent were super weird. 10.13 p.m. Katie, I'm being rushed to hospital. I am scared. 10.22 p.m. I will keep you updated, I promise. Katie, your PC will there tomorrow. You hear that? I'm being rushed to the hospital, and your PC will be delivered tomorrow. That's weird, right? Then before I had a chance to chat to her again, she donated a large amount of money in John's name, which she said was from her account to pay for my son's braces. The messages here are deleted, and I don't remember exactly what diagnosis Brooke had, but she was having a bowel resection surgery and a permanent colostomy bag placed. 
She was perfectly healthy and riding a Peloton in September, and by the end of October, she was thanking me for saving her life because I'd told her to go to the hospital to address a two-week constipation. I probably don't need to keep telling you that this felt weird, but it did. It was weird. Anyway, in the middle of this life-altering and very invasive surgery, she asks me this. Katie, is John the only one that has donated so much to you? I couldn't tell if this was just a point of pride that she had such a generous friend, or if she was trying to make me feel guilty, or maybe she just wanted to keep it in the front of my mind. I told her about one of my most beloved people in chat, one of my good eggs that's been with me for years and years, and he donates like 5 to $20 almost every stream. Honestly, I worry that he shouldn't be doing that, but also, you know, I appreciate it. <laughs> Years of consistent support is worth so much to me. It's less about the amount of money and more about the consistent caring about us, you know? But Brooke seemed to be more caught up in the dollar figures. For the record, some of my favorite people in chat can't even afford to subscribe for $5 a month. One of them has my free sub that I get for being a Twitch partner. It's not about the money, and it never has been. But I just couldn't get Brooke to understand that. This was when they paid for our Disney trip. If you're not a Twitch user, this might seem like a really strange thing to you. But commonly, when a streamer has like a large goal, they will have sort of a prize for the chat when the goal is met. I had divided up the cost of a Disney trip by six, since Mary didn't have to have her own ticket. And I had put up goals one at a time for each person in my family. So the goals would say, Merit's trip to Disney. I had told the chat that we would do a special Minnie Mouse bonus stream and make food that's famous in the Disney parks for each goal that they hit. This is a totally normal Twitch thing to do. I bought a costume and a Mickey Mouse waffle maker for it. Now, usually this is the kind of thing that chat works together to achieve, you know, like the pilgrimage that turned into a vasectomy reversal. It's a community building thing. But John and Brooke were adamant that they wanted to pay for all of it. Brooke said that they discussed it together and that they wanted to make this their final Christmas present to us since John would likely die before Christmas. They donated all of the money offline, between streams, before anyone else in the chat got a chance. A few of the chat regulars reached out to me at this point. They'd been excited about the idea of earning a costume stream. Like I said, it's a community thing. But since all the goals were filled offline, there was no community hype around it. They told me that it felt like John was taking over everything. Actually, after the first episode of this podcast came out, one of those good eggs reached back out to me to talk about this you know, period in the stream history. He didn't want to be recorded because he doesn't like the sound of his voice, but he told me over Discord, and I quote, Even though I've been very financially blessed at this time in my life, and I could have fulfilled every goal you put up there and not have it affect my budget, I never want to be the one who gives the most, and I for sure don't want to just crush a goal all by myself. There were a couple of times when John did that. I felt cheated that I couldn't help in the effort, and it spoiled some of the fun for the rest of chat. At the time, I was happy for you, but sad for us. End quote. I still did the special bonus stream for chat. You know, it was supposed to be a fun thing, but it felt not fun. It felt like it was a wholly owned thing. I had been bought. Though I've always been grateful to my chat for the improvements that their support has made in my life, I've never felt like I was beholden to them before. And this was how I felt now. Now feels like an okay time to talk about the computer. You remember I mentioned in October, John had sent me a gaming PC? Remember, Brooke had told me that it was on the way when she was in the emergency department? Well, there's this running joke in my community about how my husband Luis loves RGB lights. 
and when I told chat that John had gifted me this PC, another very harmless good egg reached out and said that he was sending me an RGB hard drive to put into the PC. Luis also ordered additional RGB RAM to add to this gaming PC. We joked on stream that my husband was going to end up having a rave when it all arrived. But then Brooke texted me after that stream ended. It just said, we need to talk about what just happened on stream. I was super confused. Remember, Brooke had taken on sort of a protector role for John, and something in her tone led me to believe that I'd done something wrong. She told me John was extremely upset that I was upgrading the PC he sent me. She told me that he was an IT professional, that he knew what he was ordering for me, and that I was questioning his judgment. She said she wasn't sure how John would take it, knowing that I had voided the PC's warranty by adding to it. She said she hoped it didn't cause him to have another seizure. Eventually, John called Luis and I over Discord, and we apologized a lot for offending him. We hadn't meant to be ungrateful, we just kind of wanted to let chat in on the fun. And he said that it was okay, but then repeatedly kept saying how it was unnecessary and how he had known exactly what I needed. But then he sent me a 27-inch monitor to go with it, and then a 32-inch monitor after that. I told him that I have an Ikea desk that's about 36 inches wide, and I wasn't going to be able to fit both of those monitors. Then Brooke sent an RGB keyboard and an RGB microphone. So when I say that that good egg had reached out to me grumpy about the Disney goals, I didn't dare say anything to anyone. I just sat there in my discomfort. I couldn't let the chat get involved in case it made John mad. And if he got mad, what was he going to do? Mail actual Mickey Mouse to me? I was nervous to find out. From this point on, in early November of 2021, all of the messages from John's account are deleted. It's just me talking to myself from what I can see. At some point in December, Brooke had mailed me a Detroit Lions jersey that had my name on it. I refused at the post office because it was mailed by UPS. This was where I made my biggest mistake. Brooke was very upset because UPS was going to charge her to return the jersey if they didn't get a physical address to deliver to. And at the time, I didn't know that my P.O. box had a physical address that I could have used instead. Brooks texted me a bunch of times on Discord that day, though the exact number, I don't know, telling me that UPS needed me to call them and that I needed to sort it out so that she didn't lose any money. And you know me, I felt guilty. So I called UPS and I asked, could I give them a physical address to deliver to? It didn't occur to me that UPS would share that information with the sender. I gave UPS my home address, and from that moment on, every gift sent by John or Brooke came to my house. And when I say every gift, I need you to understand how much of this was unseen by my Twitch chat. I was ashamed of all of this by now, so I wasn't trying to say much except to publicly acknowledge John's kindness and to ask chat to pray for him in his illness. When John got his terminal diagnosis, Brooke had been torn up thinking about how he might not make it to Christmas, and now we were in December of 2021. So I was regularly voice chatting with John, and he seemed less weak, less tired over time every time I heard from him. His voice always started out that same sleepy, slow thing, but then by the end of an hour-long phone call with my husband and I, he would start talking at a normal or even a fast rate of speed. He didn't seem like a person who was dying, but I asked myself, Why would a person who wasn't dying give away as much as he had? That's a question for another episode, but trust me, I have an answer. 
Anyway, it's not uncommon for a Twitch streamer to have a public wish list. It's a way of supporting a streamer or showing appreciation for their content without giving them money directly. Remember, streamers provide entertainment just like your favorite episode of Seinfeld, but we only get paid if the public feels like they want to support us. Sort of like this podcast. And again, I'm saying this more for me than for you, but I know there's a whole block of people who think streamers ought not have any income and view us as weird little internet beggars. Anyway, wish lists. I used to keep mine posted on my page like most other streamers, but after John had donated so much, it felt wrong to ask for anything more from chat, so I removed it. But John had bookmarked it. Brooke told me that she and John had worked together to send me some surprises, and just before Christmas, a series of packages arrived at my house. It was the entire contents of my wish list. That list was mostly meant for my husband to pick from so that I didn't end up with weird Christmas presents, but after the package arrived, the list was completely empty. I was really conflicted. I mean, gifts are nice, sure, but I wanted to get some of that for my husband, you know? Someone who loved me. Gifts aren't really about the item, they're about the sentiment, right? This was when I tried an experiment that I'm not terribly proud of. I added an item to my wish list on Christmas Eve. I figured John had bought the whole list. Surely he wouldn't see this new addition. But come Christmas morning, the honey dispenser that I had added to the list was on my front porch. Brooke messaged me that she and John had paid extra to overnight it. This was when I went from nervous and guilty to nervous and fearful. It felt so odd to know that my list had been that closely monitored. If they were watching my Amazon list that closely and they had my address... I tried not to think about it that way. I mean, besides, John was on hospice and Brooke had just had major abdominal surgery, so what could happen, right? In January, Brooke started complaining about back pain that she said was 10 out of 10 pain level. My concern about the motivation for the gifts was already elevated, but now there was this new, seemingly unrelated medical issue for Brooke, who four months earlier, remember, had been riding a Peloton every day. I told her to go to the emergency department, that nothing that I said on the internet was going to help. For the record, I kind of felt bad about that. If she was my real-life friend, I would have offered to drive her. As it was, it sort of felt like I had been dismissive to her. Anyway, Brooke was at the emergency department for about 12 hours before she messaged me that they found she had a spinal tumor that needed to be removed. And she went on and on about how I had saved her life again. This was the second time in two months, aren't I a hero? She was begging me to pray for her, to ask other people to pray for her, because the surgery that was going to remove the tumor could cause paralysis. At this point, I looked at Luis and I said, how much do you want to bet she's paralyzed by the end of January? And wouldn't you know it, a few days later, Brooke had surgery and couldn't feel her legs, but her back pain had not improved at all. If my tone hasn't given me away yet, I was ready to call BS on this Brooke situation, Brooke was a perfectly healthy young woman capable of changing diapers on a full-grown man. But apparently she had IBS, and then surgical hemorrhoids, and then a bowel obstruction that required a colostomy bag, and then a spinal tumor whose removal caused her permanent lower body pulverolysis. It was all just too weird. But when it comes to Twitch, what is weird? Next time.
this episode of Parasocial Anxiety was written, edited, and produced by me, Katie Ruvalcaba. Cover art by Brandon Ocampo and theme music by Cybris. If you're enjoying Parasocial Anxiety and would like to encourage more content of this type, please consider donating at paypal.me slash Ruby. Make sure to follow the podcast at PSAnxietyPod on Twitter and Instagram, and feel free to DM with any questions you might have. See you next week.